0: You're listening to Pastor Greg Voorhees, recorded at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, Sunday, February 11, 2024. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or find them on all things social, at svbcfamily. This, this week, and I actually want to read you something. Here, it's actually, it's, it's a recovery thing, but this week, if you were in Sunday school, in my Sunday school, not, not the good one. <laughs> my, my, <laughs> yeah, Eric's is the good Sunday school. Then there's mine. The the you know I talked about uh, my my grandson, my, uh, Easton. The uh, I just asked you pray for him. He, you know my 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 grandson Easton. He's seven years old. Uh, he got a couple ticks off of him a few months back. He has Lyme's disease. The. the they didn't catch it. He's at stage two Lyme's disease, which means he's just going to deal with it the rest of his life. He's seven years old, and the this is my this is my Jesus grandson. This is the one that song Waymaker. He's sitting back in the car, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise. I mean, he just sings this at the top of his lungs. He, you know, this is. And he, he's the one that, in fact, I've forgotten about this. The, um, Sue shared a story that he was, they were watching young Sheldon on TV. And, and if you've ever watched The Big Bang Theory, uh, you know, Sheldon, and we love, I love The Big Bang Theory. It's actually one of my favorite shows ever. But, but Sheldon was an atheist, and, and, and he was a child in this, and, and he's like, that God's not dead, or God's dead. He's not alive or whatever. And then my grandson gets up and turns the TV off and forbade the show to ever be shown again in the house. You know so that's that that that's Easton but the, but the point of this you know, how does this have anything to do with the lesson? the as we're talking about recovery and being in one place and needing to be in a healthier place, what puts us in the wrong place in the first place what what puts us what puts us in the positions where you, you know we we where we kind of sometimes backslide or sometimes make bad choices or sometimes do bad things or do all these different things. You know, you know why does, I can assure you, of course, in the more traditional sense, you know, recovery is, is, is applied to people that struggle with drugs or alcoholism, which, which we, we've learned that that's not just the case. Everyone needs recovery. Everybody needs to be in a better place. Everybody needs to be in a healthier place. But I can assure you, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people that struggle with alcoholism. I've, I've talked to a lot of people that struggle with, with, with drug addictions. Again, between being a medic and a cop, I, I, did the, I did the whole emergency thing for over 30 years. I've talked to a lot of people. I can assure you, none of them ever woke up one day and said, I want to be a drug addict. I'm sure not any one of them ever woke up and said, man, I really, really want to spend the rest of my life struggling with alcohol. You know, so what puts them in these positions? What kind of, you know, I understand that some people have this, this, this propensity towards addiction. You know, there's, there's, for some people, there's this genetic, you know, predisposition. Don't get me wrong. I, I believe that's a real thing. But it, but it doesn't, all that does, when you have this, this genetic, you know, predisposition, it's just like having a loaded gun. It doesn't mean you actually have to pull the trigger, that, that, that if you have this, per, this propensity or this, this tendency, this genetic thing towards an addiction of, of any type, it doesn't mean that you have to be an alcoholic, it doesn't mean that you have to be a drug addict, it just means that you, you're walking around with a loaded gun. But what, what, what pulls the trigger? What about people that don't struggle with these things? What about everybody else, all of us who, who have ever just been not in a so good place? What gets us there? Because life happens. Life happens. Sometimes seven-year-olds get Lyme's disease. I've told you much when I got out of EMS. Why did I get out of EMS? I was just hired to death. I had three babies die in two weeks. And it's like, that was enough. I'd had enough. I walked away. I was I can't do this anymore. So I can assure you, folks, life happens. Bad things happen every day. The Bible tells us that the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. So just because even if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, a storm is coming, I can assure you. If you're not walking through a storm right now, God bless you, but it's coming. Life happens. You know, how does, how does, is it always a bad thing? If, you know, while you're going through it, it certainly is. But can Jesus take something that is ugly and turn it into something good? You know, probably one of the most misunderstood passages I've heard, you know, misquoted from the Bible many, many times is, you know, all things are good for those who love Jesus Are called according to His purpose. Even if they haven't said it that way, that's almost been the way they've intended. Everything's good. It's all good. If you love Jesus, it's all good. That's not what it says. All things He He can use all things. He can turn these things to good. God can turn an ugly thing and make you a better person. Because you're struggling through something, you're going through something, there's something bad's going on, or the stuff that just really hit the fan in your life, it doesn't mean it's good. But God can use that to turn you and make you into a better person, to make you a stronger person. Kind of all of, the, all of the things that have happened to me in my life that have made me the strongest have not been the blessings of my life. It's been the hard things in my life. I have never gotten stronger by, by living on the mountaintop. I've gotten stronger when I'm walking through the valley. Why? What does the valley teach me? The valley teaches me that this doesn't always have to be this way. It's not always going to be like this. The valley teaches me that even if I don't feel, it's a Waymaker song, even when I don't see that you're working, or even if I don't feel that you're working, He is still working. The valley teaches me He is always working for me, even if I don't see it or feel it. You know, back in the day, I wasn't always this fat guy. I'm telling you, I used to have muscles. But back when I had muscles, when I was young and I would, I, I would go to the gym and I would pump that iron, I mean, I was, when I had muscles, I didn't have them because I was sitting on the couch with my soda watching the movie, it was because I was enduring something difficult. I was fighting me in the iron. That's what made me strong. But when things happen to us, when things happen to us, it teaches us so many things. It teaches us so many things. In recovery, they often, if you go to a, a, a typical recovery lesson, and when, when, when I used to lead Celebrate Recoveries, we would read the serenity prayer at every single, every single time that we got together. Do you know what the serenity prayer is? Yes. Do you know that there's more to it? Oh, absolutely. No, you, you got it. You got it. You're right. And that's the only part I had ever heard. The stuff that's on the the, the greeting cards. The stuff that people talk—you know, kind of the thing that's just, you know—that's it's all nice little Christian things. There's more to it. Here's the whole thing. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's that's the part. That's 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 the most well-known part. Here's the rest of it. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, the simple world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. That's the serenity prayer. Accepting hardship is the pathway to peace. When hard things come, folks, he's still working. He's still there. You know, many times, some of the ways that we have acted, some of the things that we do, it's almost like we try to run from God. My very favorite Old Testament story It has to do with a little prophet. No, it wasn't a little prophet. We call him minor prophets because his book was short, not because he was small in contribution. My very favorite prophet outside of the prophet Isaiah is this little guy named Job. Not Job, Jonah. The story of Jonah. What, what What is so cool about Jonah? Jonah was asked to do something hard that he didn't want to do, so he thought, I'm going to run from God. He came up with this, this decision of, you know, I'm going to run from I'm going to get away. I'm going to go to Tarshish. Tarshish. Tarshish is way on the other side of the sea. Surely God's not there. You know, I get as far away from Assyria as I can because I don't want to talk to those Assyrians. I don't want to talk go to Nineveh. I'm going to run from God. You can't run from God. Because even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you feel it, he's still working. God has a plan. God's working. You, you know this this entire time during the Roman occupation of Israel. You know what we call the the intertestamental time. You know when they fir- when they first came in and, and 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 you know they 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 took over and they took over Jerusalem. We're like God. God is silent during these times. God was silent for four hundred years. You know, God. What, what, what was God doing? He was just. God was silent. the time of God's silence. If you think that, you don't know history. You don't know history. First of all, Hanukkah, we we spend a lot of time talking about Hanukkah at Christmas. Hanukkah is super important, even to you Christians. It it just is. We spend a lot of time. This happened during the intertestamental times. God set up. God was still working and set up a government system that would actually hang His Son on the cross. Nobody else was doing it like that. If you wanted a prophecy to be fulfilled the way it had been said for hundreds of years, so God was setting things up. God was laying foundations. God was working. God was was bringing up. All this stuff, when we were saying he was silent, God's silence, 400 years of silence, God was working overtime, bringing history to a point where he could send his son and prophecy be fulfilled exactly the way that he said it would happen. Doesn't that, isn't that the way that sometimes feels in our lives? Sometimes in our lives, we feel that God is being silent. God's not working. God's not hearing us. I'm praying and it's hitting the ceiling. All these things that God just, does God even, does I, does, do I even matter to him? If, if you've never thought that, if you've never struggled with that in these hard times, does that, do I even matter to God? I'll tell you what, you're lying to yourself because we've all asked that from time to time. We've all asked, that, you know, does he really hear me? Does he really care? Does this stuff, if it was going on, would, 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 if God was really almighty sitting on the throne, would he let this happen? If, you've ne- if you're telling me you've never asked that, you're lying. If not to me, to yourself. But God doesn't stop working. He's in the middle of everything. He is always working for you. Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. He is our advocate to the Father. He doesn't sleep. Psalms tell us that God never sleeps, nor does he slumber. He is watching over his people. Never sleeps, never slumbers. What else does the Psalms tell us? You know, his thoughts of you outnumber the sands of the earth. Do you think if you're going through something hard, a guy whose thoughts of you outnumber the sands of the earth, do you think he's not working for you on your behalf? Zephaniah, in the morning, sings over me. You know, these were words to specific people, but here's the universal truth. Just as he sang over Zephaniah, he sings over you that's the kind of a care and attention that God has for you. so these people that struggle, whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs, whether it be whether it be sex, whether it be pornography, whether it be anything, anything, whatever it is that they're struggling with it's because they have dealt with life. Life has handed them a raw deal because that's what life does. That's what life does. They've been handed a raw deal, and they've tried to find ways to fill voids. They've tried to find ways to make the boo-boo feel better. They've tried to find ways. And I'll tell you what, if you think you're any different than any of them, again, you're lying to yourself. The only difference between me, and Shane's a smart guy. He said this very thing in Sunday school. And it's true. The only thing that's different from me than maybe the person who's laying on the street, homeless and passed out, the only difference is God's grace. For some reason, he chose to spare me. I'm no better. No better. But we, life hits us in the face. Life is like a sucker punch. Have you ever been sucker punched? Just out of the blue, you're walking around, and boom, somebody punches you in the face. I'll tell you what, if you were a young male anywhere in this part of the country, you were probably sucker punched at some point in your life. It just takes the wind out of you. It takes the wind out of you. How do we respond? How do we do different? How do we, how do we when, when that puts us in a bad place, how do we get to a different place? You know, the last five weeks, and we're going to continue to talk about our relationship with Christ. You know, John Baker and Rick Warren, when they were putting together these 25 weeks of sermon series, there's a reason they spent six weeks on our relationship with Christ. There's a reason. It's not that we're just trying to be repetitive. We're not trying to, you know, we're we're adding little, they were adding little different things. And we talked about this in Sunday school. Sometimes, especially if you've been a believer for a long time, you, you seem to mess up the basics. What are some of the basics? You know, just being excited about Jesus. That, that's what I'll never forget. When I, when I came to know the Lord in 1987, I was walking on clouds because of my Jesus. I mean, whoa! Oh, my goodness. You would call me up. I'd answer, hallelujah! That's how I answered the telephone. Hallelujah! People thought I was crazy. That was that was that was me. That was me. That, that was a basic just just that excitement about God. I talked to Him just just because I wanted to talk to Him, not because I needed something. God, there's something going on at the church. How do I deal with this? God, there's something going on at work. How do I deal with this? God, who's mad at me? Help me get out of this trouble, Lord. Just teasing. But it's just like that's that seems to be kind of the nature of our our prayers when we've been with the, the Lord. I am 52 years old. I accepted the Lord in 1987. I was, what, 15-ish, 16-ish. So I have walked. I have known the grace of God my entire known life. So I take God for granted a lot. But when we mess up the basics, like why do we come to God? Our adoration of God, just talking to God. Praying to God, just God, I love you. You, you. you know, Just these simple things like this is when we really start messing up. So when we get <laughs> sucker punched by the world, it's when you mess up the basics is when you really go off to the right or to the left. We talk about the Super Bowl and the little announcements, the fact that the Titans, not that I care about the Titans, aren't in the Super Bowl. But well, there's two really good teams in the Super Bowl, the 49ers and the Chiefs. One of them is going to lose. I I pray to God, is there some way that both of these teams could lose? I don't think he's going to answer. I don't think he's going to answer that. But why is one of them going to lose? It's not because one of them is just so amazing, just so amazing nobody can beat them. One of them is going to be messing up the basics one of them is going to hold somebody when they try to get to the quarterback it's going to cost them some yardage one of them is going to block somebody below the, the, the knees somebody's going to do holding they're going to be false starts they're going to be these are the things somebody's going to drop a ball that if you're paying somebody a million dollars a year they shouldn't drop that ball it's when they miss the basics is when they lose when we miss the basics of our christian life it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian 30, like we figured it out on Sunday school, I've been following the Lord for 37 years. Somebody's been following the Lord for, what, how is it that I could mess up the way I mess up? It's because I mess the basics up. I mess the basics up, so I need to take action. There's your acrostic for the day. None of this was supposed, I'm, I'm sorry, I had not gotten to the sermon yet. You have to understand something. I normally get no sleep on Saturday. I slept all night last night. And I found a cup of Dunkin' Donut coffee that I put there two days ago. So I have caffeine and sleep in me this morning, so you have to forgive me. But how, is it, how do we keep with these basics? How do we stay on the, on, on the track? How do we make the right decision? We need to take action. Again, we're going to continue talking about our relationship with Christ. We're going to be moving in a different direction soon, but for now, we're going to still look at principle three. Consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's control. Happy are the meek. Matthew 5.5. 5. We talked about that. Meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. It's being given the power to make decisions. And it's about surrendering your own rights and your own strength for the benefit of another. To, to, to put God in the, in, the, in the steering wheel. To say, I, yes, I, I, I used to love, in fact, I still like, I used to love Carrie Underwood. You know, Jesus, take the wheel. You have to be able to, meekness is about surrendering my own rights and my own abilities and my own strength. And, 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 and holding that in and saying, Jesus, take the wheel. Step three, we made a a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. If you want to worship God, honor him with your body. The whole thing. But there's some things. But there's some things we don't normally, we don't always honor God with. You know, we talk about our hands and stuff. Should we honor God with our minds? What's what's the Shema? Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Heart, mind, mind. Love God with your mind. Give your mind to Him as, as, as a living sacrifice. How do you do that? The things that you take in, the things that you read, the things that you think on, the things that you meditate on, the things that you ponder. You can love God with your, with, with, with your mind. I learned a lot about that in seminary, not because I was trying, but I know when I spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and reading about God, I realized I'm loving God with my mind right now. I'm dedicating my thoughts I'm dedicating my learning. I'm dedicating everything to the glory of God. Our hearts. We're not talking about the stuff that's important to you, the stuff that makes you you. Your soul, literally your personality, everything that makes you you. You can love God and honor Him with who you are, even the way you do things in your strength. To be a living sacrifice, you need to be giving it all to God, your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Eric, would you say that the Shema is probably one of the most important prayers in the Jewish faith? Absolutely. It's the first, isn't it? It is. That tells me it's important to God that you that you offer yourself as a living sacrifice, giving to him your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And when you do that, that is your true and proper worship. And I know you're excited. We finally made it to the sermon. Action. The A in action. Action. Accept Jesus Christ as your higher power and Savior. We've been talking about that. Many of us have been walking with the Lord for many, many, many years. But here's again, here's one of the basics. You only have to accept him as your higher power once to be saved. Should you accept his care and control over your life on a daily basis? I'm not talking about a salvation thing. You ask Jesus into your heart, and the, he's there, man. You're saved. You're there, man. You've arrived. You're going to heaven. You've been adopted to sonship. I mean, you're a child of the king. But what about us all, folks? Do we need to keep accepting him as our our higher power? Oh, I absolutely do. I still need to accept Christ every day as being the man in charge, the man who's looking out after my interests, the man who's watching out over me, taking care of me, and trusting him with my life. That is something you never grow too old to do. Never too old to to just surrender your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior giving him the wheel. And of course, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But I'm telling you, it's it's much more. It's much more than just the salvation thing. Salvation is the icing on the cake. I mean, it's the things like, thank you, God, for salvation. But the surrender thing, it's not just a one-time deal. Not just a one-time deal. Every day, every day we have to make the decision to follow Jesus. If that day you don't follow Jesus, you're not losing your salvation. But I'm telling you, you still need to choose to follow him. To choose to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. I can tell you, if you do that... All the time, every day, the first thing that comes out of your mouth when you wake up in the morning, and I'm guilty, of this, I don't do this. God, just help me love you with all my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. We would be so much better off. If the first thing out of my mouth was, I commit myself to you. I surrender to you. Well, commit. There's a C in action. Commit to Seek and follow his will. Teach me your will. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me to level ground, Psalm 143, 9 through 10. But I'm going to go back to this. Commit to seek and follow his will. If you seek the will of God, the Sermon on the Mount, the whole thing that these principles come from, Jesus said something else about the seeking thing. What did he say? Seek and you will find. Here's the thing about God's will. Believer, you need to get this. I don't care how long you've been a believer, you need to get this. You need to seek God's will in your life. And if you're serious about it, if you really are seeking it, He doesn't keep secrets from you. He doesn't want to hide his will from you. If you seek his will, according to Jesus, fully God, fully man, raised from the dead, I think that gives him credibility. He says, if you seek, you're going to find it. So we need to seek after God's will and we need to follow him. Does that mean let's just follow him when the marching orders are fun? Does that mean just following him when, when he's asking us to go to the beach and, and, and sunbathe and just relax and unwind? No, it means follow him wherever he may go. You know, there was a, there, there was a I think it was, it was a book back in the 80s, 80s or 90s, I think it was Lindell Coley, the guy, that did the Brownsville Revival guy. I think it was called the God Chasers. I think that's what it was called, God Chasers. Here's the beautiful thing: you don't have to chase God. I mean, it's just he, He's just there. He wants that relationship. But you have to seek His will and choose to follow Him. If He runs, you chase after. If He walks, you just follow Him wherever He wants to take you. You need to seek the will of God and be willing to do it. Because I can tell you what, if you're not willing to do it, you, you can know with it. You can know what his will is. If you're not willing to do it, it ain't helping you. You need to do it. You need to follow after his desires and his will for you. Because here's the thing. He says, I know the plans I've made for you. And those plans aren't to harm you. It's what? To give you a hope and a future. That is, that is what God has to say. That is what, that's what his desire for you. So when you find his will, when you seek after it, and you have that peace about this is God's direction, and you follow his will, he is leading you into a hope and a future. He's not leading you to harm. Turn it over. Here's something cliche for you. In fact, I think they used it in, in the Sunday school lesson. Let go and let God. Might be cliche, there's a lot of truth in it. Let go and let God. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Never really read the Living Bible. I'm liking it, I'm loving this. All of you who who work so hard beneath a heavy yoke, wear my yoke, for it fits perfectly. And let me teach you, for I am gentle and humble, and you shall find rest for your souls. Turn it over to God. His yoke is not a hard yoke. The world's yoke is a hard yoke. Let me tell you, I'm not a farmer, never never owned a bull. But from from what I've understand, what I've been taught about yokes is there's good yokes and there's bad yokes. If you got a bad yoke, the 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 weight that's kind of you know what is a yoke? It's that big thing they put on their shoulders and they 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 pull things with it. But if you have a bad yoke, the, the you know the the weight is distributed maybe wrong. There might be a high spot where the neck is and it, and it rubs on the bull's neck and. Tires his neck out or, or you know, that, that's what the world does. The world wants to yoke you in such a way. The world wants to put life on your shoulder in such a way where it wears you out. It hurts your neck. Makes you just want to walk in circles because you're kind of, you're just kind of tired. That's the yoke of the world. The world wants to beat you down. It just does. The world's not your friend. But the yoke of the Lord is different. And here's the beautiful thing about it. When you have a relationship with Christ, you're going you're to have some weight on your shoulders, but who really carries the load now? You're still going to endure hardship. You're still going to endure pain. You're still going to do all these things. But who's really now carrying the load when, when you have a relationship with Jesus? He's the load bearer. So many times, I think we get hung up because we fight fights we were never intended to. I think so many times we get tired because we're dragging loads of around, whether it's loads of unforgiveness, loads of anger, loads of anxiety, loads of all these things, things that we were never intended to carry, and we carry them on our shoulders, and it wears us down. But when we... Take on the yoke of the Lord and give it over to him. Let go and let God. Let him bear the load. He takes that load and he makes it light so that it's bearable. He's, he's, he puts a good yoke on us. I'll tell you another mistake we make. Here's another one of those basic mistakes that we make. We, we want to hold on to things. You know, so instead of just taking it taking it from God or giving it to God so let go, let God sometimes it's like the thing we want to hold on to this sin I don't want to let go of it this sin this thing right here I've known it my entire life, it's like a friend, it makes me feel better you 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 know when 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 I'm feeling like things just aren't going well, I can go to my friend. I don't want to let this sin go. Have you ever done that? you got to let it go. You've got to turn it over to the Father. Our sins will only weigh us down. The I in action. And this is important to get. This is important to understand. It's only the beginning. When we turn our, the care and control of our life over to God, it's only the beginning. God who began a good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until this task within is finally finished. Philippians 1.6. It's only the beginning. When we step out and, and, and we, make, we engage in that relationship, it's only the beginning of an eternal relationship. And the things that we're struggling with, you're not going to beat it in a day. It's only the beginning of the struggle. It's only the beginning of the, of the time of conquering. Because you can be more than a conqueror through Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not, it's not good enough just to be a conqueror. Yeah, it's, it's cool to beat something, but he said we can be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. But that process often does not happen overnight. So if you engage in a a struggle and you give it over to God, understand this is something you're going to have to continue to do over and over and over until you not only lick it, you become more than a conqueror by having a testimony to share. It doesn't happen overnight. It took... More than a year or two to break me, it's going to take way more than a year or two to fix me. I've seen God do miraculous things in people's lives. Don't get me wrong. I've seen God turn... I've seen miracles happen in people's lives. I can't say... I'm not saying God doesn't do that. I've seen that. That's a real thing. But I can tell you for 99.99999% of us, it's a process that takes a long time. So if you're still struggling... If, you're still, if, if, if the weight is still there and you're trying to give it to God, you have to keep giving it to God and giving it to God and giving it to God because it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight. It's the beginning of the process. We're at the beginning of the recovery process. We're at the beginning of, of the being in one place and wanting to be in a healthier place. It's just the beginning. But he is faithful and just. To complete that work that He started in this. God doesn't do anything half but. He just doesn't. If God started a work in you, I'm telling you, God has started a work in you. He has. He has. God has started the work in every single one of you. He will see it through. You may even try to let go (laughs) and say, he doesn't let go. Let me tell you what, my God's not a quitter. My God's not a quitter. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Just the human side of Jesus, the human part of Jesus, whipped with a cat of nine tails 40 times. Well, you know what? That's a death sentence. If they didn't care, if they, didn't, they really didn't want you to die, but they didn't care, they'd say, they'd say you know, 40 save one. They'd give you 39 whips. 40 lashes, they were really expecting you to die. 49 lashes, of cat and nine tails, ripping the, the, the flesh off of his bones. Prophet Isaiah tells us that he was beaten beyond the likeness of a man. I mean, you couldn't even tell he was human by the time they got done with him. Beat with a cat of nine tails, punched, spit on, the crown of the thorns piercing his brow. All of these things. He got weak. Let me tell you what, I wouldn't have made it past the cat of nine tails. I just wouldn't. I know me. I know me. My puppy does this, and I'm like, oh my goodness. A puppy chews me up, and I'm, I feel sorry for myself. <laughs> Jesus didn't quit. Even the man part of him didn't quit. Started carrying that cross to the top of the hill. Yeah, he, his body gave away. His body gave away, and and, and someone had to help him carry the cross the rest of the way. But guess what? He still walked to the top of Golgotha. Jesus doesn't quit. And if the human part of Jesus doesn't quit, I can assure you the deity side of Jesus doesn't quit. That's the kind of character my Jesus has. That's the Jesus, the same Jesus who got to the top of Galgoth to be nailed to the cross, didn't give up, carried himself after going through things I couldn't have endured. That's the same Jesus who, when he starts a work in you, he is faithful to complete it. He doesn't do anything halfway. The O in action, one day at a time. So don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of tomorrow, too. Live one day at a time. One day at a time, Lord Jesus. There's, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Why? Because, and again, you're not going to be recovered from whatever your struggle, your hurt is. You're not going to recover from your hurt in a day you're not going to recover from your habit in a day you're not going to recover from your hang up in a day you have to appreciate you take this in small bites small pieces one day at a time God lets you take small bites out of the fish he doesn't expect you to swallow the whale in one big gulp. It's going to be day by day, moment by moment. And that's it. That's, that is one of the keys to being in a healthier place, recognizing you need to take this as it comes. Don't get stuck in the past. Don't be trying to fix the tomorrow. Deal with it one day at a time. Worry about today and what it's given you. And he'll take care of the rest. The end is next. And how do I ask Christ in my life? We're going to look at this quickly. What is their spiritual base? How do we establish a spiritual base in our life? So these are questions we should all ask ourselves. Do I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and, and showed that he was God by coming back to life? That is absolutely important. Absolutely important. If you want help with your hurts, habits and hang-ups, you ha- you can't move beyond this. You can't skip this. This can't be go straight to go do not, you know, go, no, go straight to jail monopoly. Don't pass go, don't collect $200. You know that this is a step you don't get to pass. You have to believe that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. And I'm telling you the raised from the dead thing it it, it kind of validates yep, he, yes he is. We have to accept God's free forgiveness for my sins. You were forgiven. Accept it. Don't walk. Don't walk like a a beat down, groveling pup. You are forgiven. When you've done the first step, you get the second step. Forgiveness is part of the deal. You need to believe that Jesus is who he said he is, and because of his work on the cross, you are forgiven. So when you say, oh God, I'm, just, I'm such a bad person, I'm not worthy, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just no good, let me tell you what, that's a lie. If you ask Jesus into your heart and you believe that he is God and that he, he was raised from the dead and you've accepted this relationship, accept that forgiveness because it's there. Everything you ever did, everything you're doing, everything you will ever do, it's already been wiped away. Stuff you haven't even done yet has been wiped away. That's the kind of forgiveness that my Jesus has. Do I switch to God's plan for my life? Do you seek his will and follow it? There can only be one God in your life and it can't be you. What is a God? That was in the very beginning. Realize I'm not God. That was the very beginning. What is, what is a God? The God is what has control of your life. You have to realize that God is God and you are not. Switch to His plan because it's better. It's better. You know, He can give us more than we can ever think or imagine. God can bless us in ways that are far beyond your your imagination. You know, I can't even wait to get to heaven. I can't imagine when he's got over there. That, I, oh my goodness, we can't, that's another whole sermon. We won't go there. But switch to God's plan because it's better. It's better. And here's the last point. Do I express my desire to Christ to be the director of my life? Do I really want him to be my... The director of my life? Do I really want him calling the shots? Do I really want him to have the will? Do I really want him to be in control? I can promise you, if you have a hurt habit to hang up, and I'm sure you all of us do, you got that hurt, that habit to hang up because you were doing your plan, or you were the subject of somebody else's plan that you may have been victimized by somebody else's plan. But I can tell you the only way that you are going to be in a healthy place is if you switch to His. You've got to switch to His. Yours will take you down wrong paths. Your heart is wickedly deceiving. There are so many things calling for your attention. The world is shouting for your attention. But you got to switch to his. You have to switch to the still, small voice that says, I love you. I died for you. I died for you. I rose for you. Trust me. Trust me. Take my yoke. Trust me. Can you trust me? Can you trust me? That's my Jesus. And the, and the answer needs to be, yes, Lord, here I am, send me.